I want to tell you about Persistent Vision Records. They are a brand new label that has hit the ground running. They've just reissued two records from Screamo Legends Page 99, the singles collection, as well as Document Number 8, which is an all-time personal favorite of mine. But they're not just doing reissues. They've also just released a split between Habak and Lagrimas, who are two bands that I've absolutely got my eye on that are so good. You can order these great releases directly through PersistentVisionRecords.com or through DeathWishInc.com. Give them a follow on Instagram at Persistent Vision Records so you don't miss out on what's coming next. Welcome to the first ever podcast. My name is Jeremy Bohm. I am your host. And if this is your first time here, this is a show where I interview artists of all kinds about the first experiences in their art form that led them to where they are today. My guest this week for episode 155 is D.D. Kern of the band MS Paint. I had such a great time talking to D.D. I love hearing stories about creating a scene as they have in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, about all the bands that Dee Dee has been a part of, about the recording process of their absolutely brilliant record, Post American, which came out just a few months ago back in March off of uh, Convulse Records. So this was an awesome chat. It was, uh, yeah, it was very eye-opening and just really, really cool. Um, if you are new here, I want to let you know that there is a bonus episode available right now where DD answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. You can access that by going over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon. You can subscribe for as little as $3 a month and get access to that bonus episode, plus all the previous bonus episodes and posts and Discord channel, all sorts of stuff. Uh, but if you pay a little more, you get to submit questions to upcoming guests, etc., you know what? I don't mention this quite enough, but if you wouldn't mind subscribing to the show on Spotify, Apple, wherever it is you're listening to this and leaving a positive rating and review, those things help a whole lot. Obviously, telling your friends, word of mouth, anytime an episode is ever reposted in someone's Instagram stories or tweeted about or anything like that, it it um it really means a lot. It really, really does. It goes a really long way. And, you know, I've been doing the show now for three years or something and time has flown. But um. You know, anytime I ever hear any sort of positive feedback about certain episodes that someone enjoyed, um, anytime anyone's talked to me in person about it, it really does brighten my day. So just a really quick thank you to everybody who has supported the show and subscribed or had any sort of engagement at all. It means seriously so much to me. All right. Without further ado, here is my conversation with the wildly original, incredibly unique, very funny, extremely charming it's D.D. Kern. Good morning, D.D. How you feeling today? Yo, I'm feeling great. <laughs> I am. Like, I, feel, I feel pretty venomous this morning. I won't even lie, dude. 
Oh, that's amazing. I love that. It's uh yeah. what talk to me about the uh the talk to me about summers in Hattiesburg because that's where you are right now currently, right? Yeah, yes, I am. I would compare it to like maybe not as extreme as like how people from like Chicago explain the winter. <laughs> like okay. people do go outside, like we do like it's fun to go outside and like but it is our extreme weather season. Because it's kind of right. summer here year round. We have like, I would say maybe like four months, maybe of like, like cooler weather. But yeah. the summers is just like extra. Like this summer is, it's so hot. It's like, oh. like you you're either on the porch like with like you know a screen in porch or something if you have that kind of setup or you're indoors unless you're like your job or something is outside like. It's like the streets, like you, you just don't see people during like the hottest hours, you know, like sure. if you see someone walk and you're like someone to get that person a bottle of water, like right now, like you will just see people like handing people water because it's uh, just like so hot. Yeah. Oh my God. So when it's this bad, what do you find yourself doing most days? Like, are you playing music all the time or are you like, do you have things that you know you have to just like to take your mind off the heat that you're doing all day? It kind of just depends for, I've been doing more stuff. So last year or two years or last year, I worked outside mostly and um, you get kind of used to it in a, a sense, but it's just like, you're just like, oh, I can tell it's not a hundred degrees today. Like I'm not sweating like just profusely or, or for me, like it's a lot of music, but it's like the other thing that it's kind of like goofy about it is like, we've been traveling more. So I'm starting to see the like, like how truly messed up it is because it's like it gets cold at night in other places right. it doesn't do that here like it can get hotter if it rains at night the humidity will make it like hotter oh my god yeah so it's like so like even like for me it's like i like to not leave the house as much as possible during the day and then at night it's like you you know you want to be like oh it's like you know it's let's go and do stuff but like i'll go to some friend's house and stuff over the summer but usually we travel like that's when the bands that i've been in have always been like we got to go somewhere during this time yeah, because we got to get out of hot. yeah it's just not <laughs> as hot other places oh uh, it's so funny hearing you describe the the heat and how you have to adapt and how everybody just has that um the mindset of like we you know you do not go outdoors it's very similar to i think because i live in los angeles as how we adapt to the traffic like people talk to <laughs> us about la traffic like oh i could never live there oh the traffic is so bad and you're like like or people are like how do you deal with the traffic you're like well you just sort of instinctually know how to how to deal with it and it feels like yeah. it's the same thing with hattiesburg weather that's so funny um i i realized so my band has played hattiesburg before yes. and it was in 2010 at 1126 house yes and i was gonna ask yes. you talk to me about 1126 house because i do vaguely remember that show obviously it was a, it was 13 years ago which is crazy to think mm -hmm. about but like what's that talk to me about that house and like what that that place means to you so pretty much the people that i met when i like graduated high school did like a tour over that summer with my like high school band and i feel like that's kind of what like there was not a lot of bands especially nobody touring at that time and you know it's like whatever we didn't do anything crazy it's like four or five days but the people that 
we were trying to get the attention of at the time in our scene, like the older kids that we were like, look, like we're like cool band, like we're trying to do cool stuff. <laughs> they were all the people that kind of were doing that, like 1126. The last show they were supposed to have, our band was supposed to play, but it ended up getting, they got shut down before then. It was like, that Damn. venue was like, so it's very interesting because that venue is like, there was a portion of Hattiesburg where there wasn't a lot of bands. It was more just kind of like people getting getting together to party, um, like big groups of people. There was like multiple houses that would host parties every weekend or whatever day. And I feel like, to my knowledge, 1126 House was like the only DIY. It was the only house that did shows, like would have bands. So it was still that party house, but they were the only people that were like a couple of those people that lived there were in some bands. Um, and then like uh, the homie, um, his name was Justin Murphy. He was kind of the dude who would always put bands up. He didn't live there at the time. I don't think, but him and some, it was like, they would play there and stay at Justin's. So 1126 house was just kind of the, like, like, I think Genghis Tron played there too, or maybe they played, the, there was another venue there, but, but it basically was the only DIY spot for a while, but it was still super debaucherous, like house parties there. So it would still get very like, like I was in high school and we would be like scared to go over there. And it was right next to a church and the church would allow them to use the, that parking lot. But it just got to a point to where it was like, they were like, y'all can no longer do this. Like it's, it's right. Dead. Because oh, it's man. right next to that gas station too, so it was it was a perfect ecosystem for like really cool shows. But at the time, it was like I, you know, this is kind of from an outsider perspective, uh, sure, because I was like younger. But it was kind of like way more. It was like if this is the party scene, the the show scene was kind of like it was the only thing that kind of kept the spirit of like DIY in Hattiesburg alive at the time, but still being on the kind of back burner of this like super like i'll just say like hedonistic just it was a lot of debauchery yeah 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 so once that's the that place stopped doing shows like did the diy community there have to then come together and find a new spot like it has because i i have to assume with a place like hattiesburg like everybody knows each other it's probably very incestuous when it comes to like the bands that are doing stuff like uh i mean just even looking at the bands that you've you're a part of or been a part of it seems like you know everybody's playing music together so when it comes to like starting a new diy spot is that also very like community-based where like everybody's working on it or is it just you rely on one person to start it and then off it goes it kind of depends i would say like um a little bit of both in a sense i'll say that like um DIY stuff in Hattiesburg it kind of ebbs and flows into like like what's available at the time like so I would say after 1126 house ended there was probably like I would say maybe three or four years maybe a little maybe less but around two to three three to four years before there was another house venue or people that uh because also down south it's like people here like they don't it's like your house is like your 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 like your holy place you know it's like you're even more so down south where comfort is like king it's like you want your comfort above all else but it's not you know the the vibe is just more like college kids move into a house and would be like you know start a band or so like that's like I feel like not like it's common, but it wouldn't be common for them to just be like, we're going to open this up to everybody and try to like build community. It was like, 
I would say it wasn't until like three or four years later when a group of like punks moved from Jackson, Mississippi, that, you know, uh, uh, the homie Hampton had lived in Kansas City and kind of had like, you know, seen how like big city punk kind of operates. So when that group kind of moved in and they started doing shows at their house, it was like my old my older friends. I remember how I found out about it was they were like, yeah, we went to this house to like pass out cards to like for like discounts on tattoos but nobody was old enough to like get tattoos and uh they weren't like you know partying or super hard it was kind of like you know weird it seemed like something that that i would like is what they told me and i was yeah. like all right that sounds cool you know so i went and i was like oh this is great like this is like all the all the freaks in the state have found themselves in this place right kind of what hattiesburg is is like the weird city where like people that don't want to go to the like party colleges or like uh do the whole like private there's a lot of more private colleges than public colleges here in terms of like it, the, the cities the, the bigger yeah. cities um so it was just kind of a moment where like that kind of showed me that that's what 1126 house was it was just like that group of freaks that all met in that moment kind of like sustained a scene from from wanting to play music and stuff not just wanting to party so once that happened it was like all over again it was like that but then there was multiple you know, from my perspective, it went from being multiple party houses to being like multiple show houses with maybe one or two houses that people would like have people over at and like, or even party like that, really. Right. Like the right. focus just kind of shifted from like party to to, sh- to bands, which was dope because I like to be used, like I love partying too, but not as much <laughs> as I like to rock. Um, so it was dope and it just kind of seemed like it was a... um an instinctual thing it wasn't like anybody like tried to do it or I don't, I don't even know if they even knew about 1126 house there was like a brief moment where these people did like two shows at a giant house they had downtown but uh there was this weird thing that would happen where people would do shows at their house and then be like oh like this is awesome like we got to have a huge all-day fest um it happened like tw- two or three times where people did that with their houses and it would just ruin the <laughs> the spot would just be blown up it would be like yeah the cops would come and like i remember one time we they did a, there was a big thing like that and they had like a person at the house like running security like walking around with like his like gun and stuff and it was just so oh weird God. like it was just weird the like you know the like learning of like having no template and yeah. no like no guidance just kind of people just kind of doing it however they they wanted to um, oh my god it's so funny like amongst like across i feel like all of the united states there needs to be like the the show list of like how to make a house show work and it, and it but oh, i feel like sure. it, and it works like whether it's in los angeles or hattiesburg it's just like yo don't don't make shows be like more than three bands like like how, try to have the show be over by like 10 o'clock also maybe like make everyone hang out in the backyard like don't oh yeah like it's like all those things that just become so obvious at some point totally like you're like oh this is the because like by the time the it was the the venues were called the porn hall and spice world respectively those were like the first two kind of like main punk venues in hattiesburg that kind of like you know those houses don't exist and there's not i don't think there's any play there's some nobody's doing shows at their house like consistently right now. So it's in kind of that same lull. But to me, the difference is like, because it was centered around the bands at the porn hall and spice world, they, that was like, the shows always were like 
hangout backside, like no info really to contact on the flyers. You had to like legitimately like see the person put it up or like call the the, the, the phone number or whatever. Right. Um, it was just, I feel like those things just built the community a little easier to where like the things that we learned were like things that you need to learn from other people were things that we just did. Cause we were like, all right, it's like the hospitality is all the Southern hospitality is like already being implemented. So it's like you're cooking and you're doing like extra shit for people. But it was just like the, like having people hang out out back is like people got like nice big backyards. So it was just kind of like, don't <laughs> like, like just go out back where there's more room or like, you know, just kind of things like that made sense where I feel like for us, it was just like being intuitive kind of led us to definitely like making some mistakes with shows. But like we were, at least from my point of view, and it could, you know, obviously bias, I just feel like um, everybody just was, was riding so hard for the the scene kind of like at the, t- at the beginning of this kind of moment, like five or six years ago to where you just wanted, you were just like, nah, like whatever it takes to be like secretive and awesome and like make the show cool. Totally. So let me ask you when you were uh, in maybe that lull there where there wasn't as many shows happening, where Hattiesburg is located, are you having to go, are you having to like get in the car with your friends and go to shows in Houston or are you going to shows in Atlanta? Because it feels like Hattiesburg is sort of like the center between those two. I think most people that tour, if they've stayed in Hattiesburg, it's because there was they were on the way between either of those places on a major tour, right? Or maybe, For you sure. know, you obviously have uh, New Orleans not too far away, but mm. it's usually the Houston to Atlanta sort of trek. So like, were you going to either of those places or did you just kind of stick it out and wait for shows to come through closer to you? I kind of was the person who kind of stayed back. I would go to some shows like in New Orleans, especially that was kind of where we would go the most. Um, I've been to a couple shows in Houston. Like that'd be like bigger shows. Like, like I went and saw totally. somebody brought me to like see Radiohead in Houston. Like I, we would go do, we would like go, to Houston to see bands that like you're saying don't maybe weren't coming all the way down south um but for the most part it was New Orleans and just like contemporary bands like Hattiesburg had so many like even when there weren't venues people would or there was like DIY stuff that was like a couple of venues like the Thirsty Hippo being the main one that like it closed down and has since closed again and is reopening under different things and it's cool but that space and a place called Nick's Ice House were like the, like, excuse me, like the hippo being like the big room that has like a front room and a back room. It's like good sound. And then Nick's being like the bar stools or toilet seats. And you just write your band's name on a calendar and the show is booked type of place. Like <laughs> sure. that's like, yeah. was like the spectrum. So there was always cool bands and like, there's so many incredible musicians in Hattiesburg that like, I would just like go, you know, we would just go to a bar or something and just see like, you know, some, a hundred year old human being playing guitar and you're just like, this is incredible. You know, like, right. this is like, or in, in the other, in the instances of like our friends, um, or like just local people starting like awesome bands where you just be like, I can't like, there's like multiple, there's at least two bands from Hattiesburg that I'm like, if they would have toured at all, like even done some weekend runs, even, you know, they would be like, respected contemporary artists you know like in my like just because they like really hone their craft like they like that's like all they did but they just like getting getting the money or even the resources to like tour from the south can be hard enough but even for them it was like nobody's really coming through 
consistently at that point, you know, when there's the lull in the venues and stuff. Now, since then, it's like people come through all the time now. It's like some people, we've had bands that like come into the country to play Hattiesburg and like other places, you know, it's really neat. And that's amazing. That and is, I, yeah. yeah. It's, that, it, it's, it's super cool. You know, not to, not to put too much on you, but like it is exciting to see from an outside perspective of like what happens when um, you're in a more isolated sort of place and like what that community can do and like the, and how you just sort of create your own scene, your own environment, all that sort of stuff. Like, I'm sure that's really inspiring for people who, you know, maybe live in more rural parts of like Idaho and things like that to see a band like yours that has been growing so much and like getting a lot of attention to be like, yo, they made it happen for themselves, like in their own part of the country where there's, you know, not as many things happening. So um, from an outside perspective, it's been really cool to see your band do all this. Like, do you feel that weight? Like, do you, do you recognize that you guys have made this happen? I mean, it's hard to, it's, it's, you feel it in some ways. And then in other ways, it's just like being grateful because of how many people have, you know, the coming from a small scene, it's like when something really cool is happening, everybody feels it super deeply. And then when something like, you know, not cool happens, everybody feels it super deeply. So it's just like that spectrum of being just like invested in the, in the people, you know, not like how the people are portraying you in the scene type thing, just being like, no, I like genuinely I'm like worried about like how my homies are feeling like are they gassed up are they down like let's figure out how we got to do whatever so it's like for me it's like there's so many people that i think about when i think of like why people know about hattiesburg you know it's like there's so many people that like all like we could be like you know haven't talked for 10 years and i would be like like they did that you know like they were a part of that like they 100 totally. percent were uh like, you know, it's probably like a group of 20 people in my mind, not even just people like people that I just met in Hattiesburg that just kind of nurtured that concept of just like doing, it's always like the music aspect of it was always taken very seriously where it's like, I've, I've, we've traveled and it's been like a band's first show. And like, this is being, this is complete respect. I'm I'm not being disrespectful, but I'm just saying, it's just like, that was a band practice. Yeah. Like, Like if a band plays their first show, here I, it's always been like that's that's good like that sounds like a band like yeah it's like that's kind of how I've all that's how that was my perspective on things until you know that now it's different because we've traveled and things but it's like that was just something that I took notice of of being like it was always I know you we like looking back nobody ever talked about like um who they knew or like any type of like um what a, what an album art needs to look like or anything. It was all. It's just funny thinking back because it was just everybody only was talking about music. Like it was nothing. There was no extracurricular focus. It was just kind of like narrowed in on like this is like what we all like to do and we're doing it. And for me, the only weight that I feel is the weight of being like, you know, I want everywhere we go when we play people to be like that's a band from Hattiesburg. Like they have to in their head say it out loud or be like Hattiesburg you know the more that it just like comes up because it, it reminds me kind of of how I feel like maybe it was like with like B-52s and REM in Athens where oh, it's just sure. like such a small like you go there and you're just kind of like what you know like what 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 you know to me it makes sense but yeah. it's just like going there I can see the like it just gives me a like that's the only place I've been 
that's given me a similar kind of vibe of like how Hattiesburg is of kind of being like, like just looking at it, you wouldn't expect it to have like a bunch of stuff going on like that, but it's like, it's like ingrained in the, in the culture of the musicians and stuff. It's like, I can't speak on their scene. I'm just saying that's how it is here where it's like, we don't have those big bands like that, but we have that same chip on our shoulder of being like, yeah, you're going to drive through here. And then like a week later, you're going to be like, I wish we would have played there. You know, it's like, like it's going to come up while you're down here. Like you're not going to be able to pass through Birmingham or Tallahassee or wherever. And somebody not be like, why didn't y'all play or did y'all play Addisburg or blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. and that's my favorite part is just getting a little respect of, because there's been so many cool bands, so many cool people that can't get to travel through here to where it's like, there's nothing cooler than getting to play somewhere. And there's like dope bands to like play with you. You know, that's like my favorite thing is like a random ass, just chopped up local band. You know, there's just something about that that's endearing. What do you think defines that sound? Like, do you, do you think there's something, do you think there's something that like, you know, you mentioned the B-52s and REM from Athens, like in some sort of way, there's like this, um, melodic sort of uh lo-fi thing that sort of defined their sound um do you think there's something you could point to from bands from your area to be like oh that's what makes that a band from here Hmm. and this could be just like my own kind of like heady look at it but i i feel like to me it's just that a sound of like it's like emotional music to me, like had like when Southerners like really open up because they don't usually, it's very like people are to themselves, you know, they're not going to like tell you how to do nothing or just kind of like keep, you know, to me, it's like the sound of it is always like when it's people like really expressing themselves, like not trying to like get a point across or get something to be seen a certain way. They're just like really in that moment, just like going for it. Like not even no like blinders are up. You're just like focused on your art. And I don't know how to describe that sound, but to me, it's just been like a lot of Hattiesburg bands that even sound different have that sound of like, you know, a lot of, it's honestly more like a small town thing where it just kind of sounds like, like bands from New Orleans do the same thing where it's like, you're not getting a lot of the outside influences. So you kind of do your own little thing. Right. Like you, you like bands and you even when you try to emulate their sound because you don't like, you haven't seen it enough, you, you're not going to do it that way. You're going to do something completely different. Um, oh, that's an interesting way to think about it. And it, and it's cool because I've seen like a band come through like an unknown, just, I can't even remember the name. Like there's a band called um, in elevators. I don't, I don't think they existed for fucking like this one tour maybe, but like that shit like changed my brain chemistry. Like it, like, they didn't have any, they had a, no symbols on the drums and it was just like rock music or like, you know, garage rock or post-punk shit or whatever. But I just remember being like, I'll never see that band again. I can't listen to their music, but it changed me. You know, I like saw right. that and I was like, I like was like, that's raw. That's like, this is a band from like Massachusetts or something, you know, like <laughs> it was like, whoa, you know, it was like yeah, shit like yeah. that. So it was just like that. It's more like the experiences that you make it kind of define the like the scene for like, I feel like small cities, it's like that. It's like whoever comes through is going to kind of like, I remember a bunch of fast, crazy punk bands from Chicago were coming through and I was like, y'all these Chicago bands are crazy. And, and then I just realized like most bands from Chicago are dope because it's right. like they have so much influence and there's like that little bit of pressure of being whatever, but 
it was like shit like that to where like those bands definitely define or like you know a refined a sense of um musicality and the people around here where they like had bands that sounded like that shit you know that's really cool i appreciate that thanks for thanks for letting me sort of talk your ear off about your hometown i'm sure that's like such a poignant part of a lot of a lot of interviews with that you've been doing because it is a cool fascinating part about um what makes i think you're the first person i've talked to that's played here maybe oh is that right okay well i i I think that that's though i mean i i knew it and i was just gonna like be like is this gonna come up or like does does he even remember because it is like that where people will be like i think i played there one time and i'm just like yeah yeah you did but do you know anyone who went to the show you don't i mean if not it's totally there was somebody i can't remember who it was it was with somebody messaged yeah because we played with a lot of dispute too that's who the that's what the show was and they they came through a couple of times after that i think uh there was a couple of bands like lot of dispute genghis tron y'all and some other band dude it might be the national that could be wrong somebody I, some bands played here and yeah. it was like people would always bring up these shows and we would always be like where like where did y'all why, who did they hit up to do the show like we finished up a tour uh in austin and then us and Lot of Spute went to the fest in Gainesville. So this makes sense. So we went Houston. We played at Walters on Washington, the original one. And oh, yeah. then, with, then the, had, with, with the stairs that go up the I think so, yeah, exactly. And then then yeah, played Hattiesburg and then uh day off Gainesville. So that makes sense. That would have been a, a, on the way there. But I'm assuming like I probably booked that show through like a message board or something like that. Or we probably Probably. just went on Twitter or something and was like, Hey, who can get us a show? And then someone hit us up, you know? It's beautiful how that stuff always worked. Looking for an extraordinary coffee? Look no further than Heartwork Coffee. With eight years of excellence and proudly roasting in the vibrant city of San Diego, California, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to explore a wide range of single origin and blended coffees to suit your taste preference. On a personal note, co-founder Rob Moran has played in so many bands that have inspired me personally, like Unbroken and Some Girls, for example, and it's been amazing watching Heartwork thrive all these years. The coffee is amazing, and I'm thrilled to support this company. Once again, visit heartworkcoffeebar.com to place an order. That is H-E-A-R-T, workcoffeebar.com. Well, yo, so let me ask you, like, uh, you know, I usually when I'm talking to musicians, the first question I usually ask them is, like, when you were growing up, what was the first thing that you connected with musically that felt like it was yours? Maybe not something that was, like, being played in the house by some sort of parent or something like that, but, like, you know, something that you found on your own that gave you, like, a sense of identity. For me, it's, like, 100%, like, In Bloom came on this country radio station. Like, before I moved to Hattiesburg and, like, middle of my, like, sophomore year of high school. Um, uh, I had like a, I had a CD player that just had Helena by My Chemical Romance on it. And like, God, what, I don't even know what others, it just had like two songs on it that my moody ass would listen to on the way to school every morning. I would just, I would just be like, you know, listen to that shit. But that was just something that I saw on TV in the mornings. But like, I remember like 
vividly hearing Nirvana on the radio and being like, yo, what is that? Like, Wait, it's kind of sounds on a country station yeah yeah it was like a radio that just played like country and every once in a while they drop like a matchbox 20 song in there but it <laughs> okay. was just like the radio that just stayed on in my grandma's car all the time and one day i think because his voice is just a lit and that song's kind of like got that thing where they played that song and i was like this is not the usual like and i you know i'd heard like alice in chains and stuff but i just didn't really connect with any of it it was like for whatever reason just like and my mom listened to like new metal and rap and shit, and I liked that stuff. But it was just like that shit came from like my parents. Like you're saying, like, I didn't. Re- there was a lot of cool music that I look back on that I'm like, it's cool that I was listening to that. But for whatever reason, like Nirvana, that that shit just it was over. Like when I I like probably for like the next five years, four five years, just like learned every Nirvana song. That's why I learned to like sing and play music, write songs and shit. But that was like it. Like once I heard that shit, I was like, "Oh, I like that a lot." Like that's like, yeah. that, like nothing's really ever. And I was like, kind of getting into music. I was mainly doing like sports and shit at that time. But I was just kind of, kind of getting to where like that wasn't doing the things enough for me to where it was like, there wasn't enough like expression in some of it to to meet the kind of like um, calling that I had after I'd heard that. Of like that was like, oh my god, I want to like that just I don't know I don't really know how to explain I wasn't like really even into music at that time I just heard that and that propelled me into all of it like that's what like made me want to um like reading and I feel like the the thing about that band at the time was like it was funny too because like I was like yo I I, want to go see this band and my parents were like that dude died when you were born like he is (laughs) that this motherfucker's like been dead forever like this band does not exist and that like blew my mind I was like how are they on the radio and they don't exist? Like, it was oh, like, right. I, that's like where my, that's where I was at, where I was so like, it was like, it uh, tapped into a whole new like world to me that I didn't know existed of like, how music is presented or even, you know, at that time, it was like, just weird to me. Everything about it was just super intriguing. And did your parents that, have, have the Nirvana CDs or anything like that? Or were there, or were nah. you like, okay, now I have to go track this down. And was this in the era of like, would you have downloaded that or would you? Have oh yeah. I went straight to LimeWire and just <laughs> the whole, I literally like, I didn't even, I used LimeWire to get like random rap songs, random like pop songs that I heard on like my iPod. But that was like, I ruined, like that was when the computer crash type, type, type things were going on where I was just like Nirvana discography, like, listen yeah. to everything oh like, my god and also like just imagining typing the name nirvana oh i was liar. listening to songs that weren't the name that like so, yeah that's like you're just opening a pandora's box of people <laughs> lying <laughs> i definitely feel like i listened to that uh with the lights out box set and yeah. none of it was named right. Like I remember when I actually got that and I listened to it, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that LimeWire file was completely cursed and not even remotely accurate. Yeah. Also, um, because especially on that that box set in particular, it's like ninety five percent of those songs sounded like they were recorded on you know a Fisher Price My First Recorder. So like, how would you know the difference? <laughs> so. Exactly. And it's like all compressed and like the, some of the files just sounded crazy. But it was like that was like what really got me. Um, like yeah, I downloaded all their music and. Do you have a favorite Nirvana record? I love asking people that. Yeah, I would say that like my my like um 
you know, like in Lord of the Rings, when he's like holding the ring and he's like, why should I throw it? It's like, that's bleach for me, where I'm like, why shouldn't I say bleach? Like, I just, for some reason, really knew my... you were going to say bleach. I school, just knew. School to me is one of their, like, I would say it's like my top one. That's my number one favorite song that they've done is school. I would have also not have been surprised if you would have said incesticide. That I also, love incesticide a lot, but the artwork for that one dead ass. I'm just kind of like, Ugh, like <laughs> this makes me feel weird. And I, I, that was the first record or the first CD someone ever gave me was a Nirvana in utero CD because it had Dave. It's the pink one. It has Dave Grohl like in drag on the front of it mm-hmm. on the CD. And the person, this, this uh, redneck dude, he was like, you know, man, my, my cousin gave me this CD. It's like, you know, he said some very questionable things to me about why he didn't want it. And I was like, that makes me want it. Like that this like creeps you out or makes you feel like weird. And it was so scratched up because he just like, you know, just had it in his truck that it only played dumb, I think. Or maybe if if dumb's even on whatever. Yeah, I know no, it, it played all, it played dumb, but it played all apologies and it only gave me the the one side of the audio. Oh my so God. I only had like vocals and drums or something. For so that's the first time I heard all the apologies was like that, and I was like, Yo, this song's incredible! Like, <laughs> how did they do this? Like, it was just so, and like the production of like hearing shit like bleeding maybe a little bit, it was so weird. But I just remember being like those moments of like hearing that band talking to my friends about it, that kid giving me that CD, and then me just going in on the line wire immediately. It was just like I downloaded everything I could the moment that we like. I might not I have even it. used LimeWire. I think I had to like go to like my mom's house and my like stepdad, who ended up being like my first musical mentor, was the guy who was like, "Oh, dude, we can get all this right now. Like, we don't have to buy these CDs at all." Oh, I love <laughs> I was that. Like, Let's go. Does uh, so what was the first concert you went to? Oh. Aside from just like a local show, you mean like a show where I like went to a thing and we? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Like something, you know, the, if you remember the first time you saw live music and like what that first was time like I saw live music was a band called um, Static Parade in Hattiesburg. And um, uh, the dude who fronted the band, uh, he was in a, a few bands, but he was just kind of someone to me that never started a band that sounded like anybody else's bands. Like he he always did his own thing. He was always kind of like into like emo or not emo, like indie Kings of Leon type stuff into like Eagles of death metal type shit. So he always did his own thing. And I, when I saw his band for the first time, he was like, you know, partying, like drinking us. I think he actually threw up on the microphone. Oh Jesus. <laughs> no, he definitely did. He like threw up on himself and on the microphone. Um, and I just like, it wasn't like that, that I was like, Oh, that's cool. I was just like, yo, like they don't give a fuck. Like, and it was honestly, that was the moment where I was like, I realized that I wanted to do that. Like I wanted to play shows. I didn't necessarily like, like going to shows was cool, but I was immediately like, yo, I want to be in the bands. Like I want to play the games. Like that just seemed so like cool to me. So I ended up like really after that, I think that I, well, we did, we went home we were like, we have to have band practice every day after school. Like after I get done with basketball practice or whatever, like we're having band practice. And we did that for like, two and a half years where we just had like we'd have band practice every day and then we'd play at Nick's Ice House on the weekend sometimes and like just like seeing that one seeing that band play that one time just like propelled my like wow that's awesome yeah I I just immediately was like we got to be super tight 
like we gotta write music all the time do you remember the first like bigger concert of like maybe someone quote-unquote famous that you saw oh for sure it was like my homies it was like for a senior trip because i went to like a school it was like a private school that like my dad ended up teaching at so we were able to go to and it was like but all my classmates were like different intelligence level different tax it was we were just different you know it was like so it was like they would be like oh we're going to some lavish thing for for senior trip and and like me and like the 10 of my friends were like hey like we're gonna go to gulf shores alabama to this music festival and just like get this little airbnb or like you know rent a little condo (laughs) so we went to that i remember the first band i saw was a band called grace potter and the nocturnals and it was just like just a random rock band at hangout fest but they were like just so pro it was like the first like pro band i saw where they're like on a big stage and just like the way they were like rocking and moving and interacting with people i was like yo this is like i've never seen this shit and then we saw like countless bands that weekend like i got to see motorhead play i got to see like easy star all stars like got to see the black keys at that time and jack white play but it's like all the people at that time and then the next year was like queens of the stone age it was like all the guitar bands that were like huge at that time. Yeah, yeah. For whatever yeah. reason, this fest, the first two years, just had like an insane. Like I saw, I saw the Breeders play Last Splash on the beach. Oh, that's amazing! Like it was like it was like crazy shit that we were just like yeah. seeing, arming ourselves with for later. At the time, you know, we were just kind of like hanging out, having fun, not really thinking about it. But I look back and seeing all those bands, it's like my first time being like, yo, that's like. I don't know if I'll ever get to do that, but that's like, right. It's definitely got to be like, you know, that has to be on my agenda. You know, I felt like it had to be something I had to be like, I'm not going to rule it out, but I can't, you can't chase something like that. That's how it felt to me. Cause it was so professional. It was just so like, everybody was just, and then you like, like I remember distinctly of the Grace Potters and the nocturnal thing sticks out to me. Cause when they got done playing, I saw the, the, the work, the stage crew, come and start working on the stage. I'm like, dude, they're, they're not moving their own gear. I was like, yo, what? Like that's, or like when I noticed all the, some of the bands were using the same drum kit. I was like, Oh, there's a kid for them to use. Like, it was just shit like that. was like, like, it was like kind of being the country dumb, but also just in a small scene where it's like, and at that time there wasn't a lot of shows or nothing. And we're young. We can't really even get into them. And there's no, not a lot of, yeah, never really know. been all, all ages shit. So it was just really interesting to get to see that, like, coming from a small place and go into something being like, oh, it's like totally, totally different than what it's like back at the crib. You know? Right. No, that makes that makes so much sense. Um, so what so you play, you know, you play a bunch of different instruments in different bands. What was the first instrument you played? A guitar, just like guitar, guitar and singing. And how old were you when you started? Uh, Probably like 13. 1914. Yeah, what was Um, the first guitar? I had a Kramer Pacer that was that my uh, stepdad had got me, and it was like a just shredder. It was like the no action, like the string sat on the the fretboard. Um, Okay, super easy to play, and it was fun. But then I got an acoustic because I really like. I realized early on I didn't want to be like riffing necessarily. Like I love mm-hmm. a good riff. I don't get me wrong, but just I had to. I really was just like I want to write songs. Like I want to, like with the power of these Kurt Cobain power chords, like I can write. I can do. I realized I could do anything. Like I would look up a song that they would cover, and then I would listen to the original song, and be like, oh, they're just 
picking the easiest parts of a song and performing, like not even really playing the structure of the cover. And like their covers really is what tapped me into being like, oh, you can do a song any way you want if you can learn the notes of the power chords. Like it's the same chords. Like I don't have to play a G minor. I can just play the, the, the three on the power chord. You know, it's like, once I kind of figured that stuff out, it was like over. I was just like, oh, song, this songwriting shit's easy. I just wrote a hundred terrible songs that were just all like power chords and stuff. And when I started jamming with people, it was kind of like, oh, I was like always wanted to have like material ready to be like to collab on. So I was always bringing songs. And that was something that I just felt immediately felt like was a good um, resource to have in a band was songs coming from somewhere, even if you're not using all of them. Like I've, I'm never scared to write a song, you know, it was my thing. I was like, I'll bring a song and everybody be like, man, hell no. Or I'll bring one and be like, yes. And like, it's the same for me. I'm like, we we're just, we've got to have material like working through at some point. So that was kind of how I thought about it at the time with guitar was like, this is a, the guitar was the easiest way to write songs. It was, and it was, I could be quiet with it. Cause I live with my grandma, like I live between my mom and my, it was like my dad, my grandma, and my mom said that, but so my grandma was always trying to be like respectful and like, you know, I'm writing songs all the time, you know, from the time, but I'm just having to do it quiet. And that was just the easiest way for me. I felt like to, uh, uh, to write to, I just wanted, that was the thing. I just was like, I got to write songs. Like, I don't, I didn't learn. I used to think guitar solos were like a waste of time. I'm like, that's like, why are we doing that? Like, right. like, like put some more lyrics in there, but now, you know, I, things change <laughs> so did you have a guitar teacher like you mentioned your stepdad was was he someone who like taught you how to play some stuff or or did you are you mostly self-taught he taught me a lot and i had a teacher that taught me a lot of the like to be honest i don't know what that man taught me he kind of just like he so i did the classic like i'm gonna play guitar at the school talent show and I got a random friend and we did, we did Blitzkrieg Bob by Ramones with just a, a, a electric guitar and vocals. And it was a catastrophe. <laughs> it was like, it was like, but I just wanted to do it. So, like I wanted to play yeah. guitar and perform so bad. This was before the, this was like early. This is like before I moved to Hattiesburg shit. This was like, Oh, so where and I remember so I should have asked you that. Where where are you originally from? Oh yeah. Greenwood, Mississippi is where I grew up. Like before How far from. is that from Hattiesburg? It's like three hours north, three and a half hours north. Okay. Okay. So it's kind of That's... in the it's in the Delta, Mississippi. It's like literally kind of in the middle. Okay. Closer to north. But um so but that that guitar teacher, he kind of taught me that like no one was gonna understand what I was doing but me. <laughs> because <laughs> the same there was like a girl who went to the school who was taking guitar lesson from him that I'm, I'm walking into the lesson they're both like laughing and she's like oh yeah like there he is like and they were like literally roasting me like my guitar teacher and another student and i was just sitting there like yo like fuck them like they don't know what 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 like the the master plan in my head is you know like they don't know that i'm like I'm gonna like figure this shit out. Like I just want this shit more than like they do. Or, you know, that was how I like took it. So I immediately, like, I remember that whole lesson. He was like teaching me shit. And I was like, this is the last time I'm fucking with this dude. Like, right. I'm so like, it just like kind of propelled me. And he, I think he, his, his intent was correct. 
but he was just a dumb country dude. You know, he just didn't know how to like, he was trying to be like, you need to practice more. He said, just, I was like, I know I played this stuff, right? It's just like, I'm doing more than you, you know, like I'm up here like scared in front of a bunch of people and shit. So it was like, that was, I had a teacher and that's kind of what they taught me (laughs) was that like, even the people doing the same thing you're doing aren't going to understand. Amazing. Amazing. So, uh, looking at, you know, just doing minimal research and just sort of like seeing all the bands you've played in or a part of, it seems like a lot of them maybe started in like 2017. That feels like a big jump off point for you where there's like a few bands that seem to have put out something in 2017. What was the first band you actually did? Like, what was your first band? My first band is a band that is, it's called Stella Tone and we still play shows every once in a while. Oh, wow. I started I that band see, in like, I didn't even see that. Yeah, one. we started that band in like 2012. So we oh, have shit. like many, many band camper. It's kind of a band that I feel like what we need to do is like almost start over if we ever did something again because the shit is so old and so like not so that it's like so old, but it's like we've just been doing it for it's like my first band with the we all learned how to play in bands together in this band. It totally. was the band that had band practice every day after school so we're all like like playing music with them is like literally like just like talking to people like it's like talking like when we play music it's like the easiest thing that i can do on earth is play music with those people really quick Uh, where so where were you practicing like when you have these bands like does a friend have a garage like what's that scenario literally my friend stephen curdley's parents Teresa and john curdley just they let they he he they had a garage with a like sixties beetle bug in it, and like not a lot of space. But we would we had a full PA in there. Yo, it was why it was so loud. Like yeah, some of the loudest experiences of my life were in that closed garage, hot, sweating. You know they they would just let us do it, and the cops would get called. They got called like two or three times, and on the third time they were like, they're gonna have to cuff old pop next time and someone's gonna have to like get in trouble for this and get fined and stuff so then we switched to a place like downtown where it was like an old trucker um loading dock that office space in they rented out like costumes and shit there but that's where a lot of bands practice at the time and now there's some more like just plain storage units on the other side of town that a lady lets like a a lot of the punk bands that have started moved into those units aside from practicing at houses and stuff but mainly garage, that garage I practiced in for probably like four years straight. And then we were in that storage unit. And now we have a community art center that we have a room in. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Because, yeah, so. yeah I, I mean, it's funny. It's like it's hard enough to get a place to practice in Los Angeles. I'm like, I, I can't imagine there's a ton of rehearsal spaces. A lot of storage that. unit people are cool about letting bands rent out storage units. Yeah. Um, so that's always been a thing here um, that I've people have always talked about. There's been different storage companies that just will let you run a 100 foot extension cable from the one outlet in the. Dude, I've never experienced like I've never witnessed that until I like kind of helped co-produce uh, the Gouge Away LP a bunch of years back. And so when I flew to go meet up with them in Orlando to like go through the songs and like kind of talk song structure and stuff, they practiced at like the generic ass public storage type of spot and my brain was just blown i was like they just let you guys do this like they had the the gate open and they were like standing half in the hallway 
And I'm like, yeah. no one, like they're just down and it just like blew my mind. So that's cool that you also had that experience too. That's so crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, it's dope. The only thing that's like, I've always been like, man, about is when you're like blasting practice and then like some people walk in with a bunch of boxes and they, it's happened to me twice where they open up the one across from you. Oh my God. And you're, and you're like, just... and you, you literally stop and you're like, yo, like. I'm so sorry. Yeah. We're just going to let y'all finish because this is like not a, this is not good for you. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like you're probably tired. Like, or, or whatever the situation is like, or these people having to like move in and out of a house and the last thing that they want to do. That's what I'm like, saying. The loudest thing possible. Like, oh I just can't God. imagine opening the door and being like, what is happening in here? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, so what was the first time you ever recorded? Like, what was uh, what was that situation? It was definitely a... Okay, it was at the same house that we would practice the garage in. Yeah. Um, It was over a summer while his parents were at work, while Steven's parents were at work, and we just used um, his sister's... It was a spare room at the time when she was in college. That's where we tracked like drums and bass in. I know we did it all live in that room. And then we would like overdub guitars and we would do at the time we were really into like Ronald Jones and flaming lip stuff. So we were like, Oh my God, we were just like destroying instruments with, and like why trying to wire effects straight into them. And like, we did like, we did a thing where we ran like three guitar amps at a time and tracked them like that. We were just doing like, we were really experimenting with recording and trying to be as weird as possible with the way that we did stuff. Um, and that was like the first band recording I ever did. I did some recording early on for like an acoustic kind of like EP in high school, just some like kind of Jack Johnson shit that I like did in high school. As kind of just a way where like, I really wanted to start a band. I really wanted to record. And there was a guy who was like the youth leader at the church. This was a Catholic school I went to who was like oh I, I, he was he was like the lemon heads of this of this christian label like he was like his band was like sounded like the lemon heads but it was like a christian yeah. i don't know if it was like a catholic label or what but he had like toured and stuff so he kind of would like he gave us like pointers early on of like hey, this is how to like really like workshop writing songs and like when you're recording how to like you want different sounds for stuff you know he would so we took that and then we went into the full band. I feel like that full band was really what I consider our first, like it was just us and a digital Tascam eight track or four track at the time. And we just like went, we just went for it. Like that's like Stellotone, the first, like that band, like the first, like two or three releases were, was Steven who he records bands now and like uh, does uh, same things he was doing at that time. But that was what I consider to be our first time, like really, like we, like we thought we were like, you know, th this was our exile on main street. Like we thought we were like in the <laughs> cut, like recording this shit, like in like the old way, you know, like yeah. that's how we were trying to do it. Like you strike me as someone that thrives on recording, like something that you get a lot of joy out of. Is that fair to say? So it's, it's a, it's, that's it, interesting because it's like double edged. It's like, I had a, I had a project I did where it was like, um, where I recorded every instrument and put out all the music and then it would be like an eight person band. But it was like, I love just being like, okay, I'm about to write an album and I'm gonna sit down and record and write it. I hate mixing and mastering 
and all the like production shit. So it was like once I did like three albums like that, I was like, yo, this so, like I love writing the songs, but sitting here and having to like listen to it again, try to like listen to it fresh when I've like done every single element of it was not my bit. So I I was the person who would be like, if I told my friends I was about to record an album three and would be like, fuck, I hope he doesn't bring that shit over to my house to like <laughs> mix it all like because that's what's gonna happen. So I, it would get to a point to where like I was like doing that, where I would be recording, I would bring, I'd be like, all right, here's the A track. It's like, it's all all twenty songs need to be on there, please. Um, and yeah. uh, you know, it, it just got to that point to where like I love recording a lot. I do thrive in the like, all right, let's get these songs done mode. Yeah. But once we start tweaking and once we start like, shit gets deeper than like an A note. Right. I'm kind of out. I'm kind of out. I'm kind of like, hey, like that's not me. I, I, I got to stay true to myself at some point, you know, <laughs> for sure. No, 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 I get it. So was like I mentioned a, a little bit ago, it's like, I noticed like 2017, it seemed like you at least maybe had a bunch of different projects going. Like I saw mm. there's one called like him Horison, then there's DD yeah. cat piss in the fuzz coffins. There's pleather. Um, yeah. what, what was it? Would you think about 2017 that, exploded for you like that where all of a sudden you were playing in a bunch of bands did that happen gradually or was it a specific event that year that made you want to be like i'm gonna just play with everybody i think it was like a build-up it was like i i feel like i was always in the bands that like i'm i'm not like a big person i'm not big on like fast music i'm not big on like certain things like stylistically that i'm into so i feel like at the time it was like a lot of people that were maybe into other types of music saw me as a person that would be like dd will start a band with me like dd will start the weird band with me that maybe won't or dd will ask me to be in their band because at the time there was just more people to play with so mm. it was like i stellatone was a band i did and then i did a band with we kind of switched instruments and did a different band and then we, so it was incestuous in that way and i had a band where it's like the band i did after stellatone was with a guy that we met who just wanted to play bass in like a pop punk band. But I was like, I don't really do listen to pop punk. So we'll do this like Ty Siegel band with me. So it's always kind of like things like that, where if somebody came to me and wanted to start a band, I'd be like, I don't like that, but what about like this? And then they'd be like, nah, I bet like, what about this? And they'd be like, I kind of like that too. And so we started a band. That was kind of how I did shit at the time. But 2017, I think was just a magical year because that was when everybody was, that was when touring became more available. That was when I feel like, the DIY like scene had kind of um, for me anyway, it just seemed more vibrant. Like there was more people my age and with my music tastes in town doing music. And it was like, everybody just kind of like popped up at once. It was a weird, like just one year of college. Everybody thought they were going to go to college there and then end up meeting everybody and was like, no, nah, we're going to do this other thing. Oh, um, that's interesting. I was actually curious about that. If it was like, the ripe age of everybody of, of like the college sort of community of everybody wanting to just play music instead. I would say that that's a, it was a lot of people still in school, but it was a thing where it would be like, for me anyway, it was like, you would start up before it was like, you were starting a band to be like, we're going to play at Nick's ice house and the thirsty hippo. And then in 2017, I feel like people would be like, we could start a band and, and like go play a show in St. Louis or like Kansas city. You know, and it was kind of a thing where it was like, I felt, at least at that time, trying to think back, it was just kind of a moment where everybody was just kind of just 
it was it's almost like a whirlwind thinking back, but it was just kind of like everybody was just kind of going all in. Like everybody was just kind of really invested in the in the bands and the scene and the concept of being able to like perpetuate the world of Hattiesburg outside of just our region and our you know state and shit. Hattiesburg's always been known for having like cool bands like in the state, and um, at that time it just kind of felt like everybody was like felt that energy where it was like we're starting the coolest bands like we're doing the things that feel the coolest to us like we should like we felt the calling to perpetuate that outside of the scene and i think that that year was just a a a cool year for me because i was like surrounded by people that were just like it was the same for all of us could say that where it was like all of us were like meeting people that had the same interests that wanted to do the same things and it was just rocking, you know, it was like no more simple than like everybody just wants to rock and everybody wants to like go out on tour. You know, it was like that year was I just felt like I met people that were maybe matching my energy more where it was like, I'd be like, yo, I'm going to record a whole album by myself at y'all's house and then we're going to go on tour. And they'd be like, you're sure. You know, I'd be like, OK, damn, you said, OK, like now you got to do it. Like, let's do it. <laughs> I was well, yeah, that was going to be my next question was what what was your first tour and which band was it with? It was definitely with Stellatone and it was like, I can never remember if it's like our junior summer year or our senior summer year or senior year summer. One of the summers in high school, in high school, in high school. Oh, wow. You're young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very young. And this is like the like Facebook, like you go on a Facebook page to get a phone number or like you go on Facebook to like mess, get an email that they're not going to answer that you have to call and get the person there. So it was like I booked like, it was like. We played in Oxford, Mississippi at an open mic. And then the show we were supposed to play in Memphis fell through, but a place let us play there and in Memphis. And we tried to give some merch to the people that were watching us and they didn't even want to take the merch for free. <laughs> and then we went to Asheville, North Carolina, or not Asheville, uh, uh, Jamestown, Jamestown, North Carolina. And played an amazing show. It was like there was like a a farm that was like a um, I forget what it's called, but they would have like people from from different places in I think it was like Eastern Europe were coming over to this farm to work there over summers. So all these people ended up coming to this gig, and we were like, "Yo, this is crazy! Like, this is amazing!" You know. And uh, it was like four or five days. My dad gave me twenty dollars. Uh, for the tour, uh, I didn't have a job or done. You know, it was like nobody knew what we were doing. Yeah. Like the person, we were like, "What were you driving? What were you?" Driving? I, was say, I was like, "I was like, we're going on tour. Like, we got to ask uh, your mom if we can use her." Um, uh, it was like a Ford Expedition, and we rented a trailer from you. It's the only tour I've done with a trailer since, because it was just like, yo, it was just so funny because we were just unsupervised. Like, our parents knew we were doing this band shit all the time, and it was the summer. And it was just, like, over a weekend, like, a four-day weekend thing that we did. But it was truly, I feel like, the first time that I was, like, unsupervised. We could have done anything and gotten away with it, basically. But we weren't thinking about it like that. We were like, oh, my God, we get to go play. Like, we had the whole P- – we, we, like, watched the decline of Western civilization and was like, we got to bring the whole PA on tour. Like, you never know. Like, we were just on some, like like, literal children like children and it was fun 
but it was just like one of those things that we just kind of did. And then we didn't get to do it again for like a couple years until we like, I booked us some more very smoked, very not, <laughs> you know, cool for the experience. Yeah. But like yeah, my homie yeah, was yeah. in credit card debt for years over <laughs> some like leaking oil in a van and like, just like yeah. shit would just happen where it's like, if we just would have had, maybe, I would just say one band. If one other band in in a hundred miles of Hattiesburg had gone on tour, we would have like not done some things. But yeah. it, but it was just like you're just kind of throwing shit at the wall. You're just kind of like we know we wanted to go on tour. Like we know that's you, what you have to do in a band. Did you did you like get the bug from that experience though? Like were you were you excited about yeah, it? Yeah. Did you, it was yeah. I always say it's funny because it was like I I was like in my head I'm like oh my god like I did not do this very good like it was I was kind of like bummed on the way back and then we get home and everybody was like yeah that was awesome like when are we best gonna do time that ever. again and I was like yeah. oh my god like it worked like I just in my mind I remember being like it happened like and it was fine you know it was like just like those initial goofy experiences kind of made me feel like safe about it where I didn't feel like I was like really risking that much. Until it was like I'm working a job and I'm seeing like, you know, I'm like actually having to make it happen on my own. That was when I kind of like kind of started seeking more of the structure from touring. Right. Uh, but yeah, the right. initial tours were just like some regional shit like in high school. Um, so with you having all these different bands and stuff, um, you know, one of the first things I usually ask is like first release. But I noticed a lot of these things came out. A lot of these different bands came out on a like a, seemingly a cassette label called Earth Girl um yeah. is that was that sort of like the local label that um was just kind of putting out everybody's bands that was the go-to spot like what's the story with that label uh earth girl is hampton's label hampton who was in like judy and the jerks and he does like bad anxiety now and some other bands um he pretty much i feel like his role early on besides like he would book bands and he was in bands and he kind of like you know how everybody kind of does with like in a band books band host bands does the whole bit but he was kind of the only person who I feel like he was like the nerd adjacent person enough to where he wanted to like, he was like, he would mail your tape out. Like he would, he would record you to tape and put it out on tape. He's super into analog media. And, but he would do something that I feel like was a, not a first in Hattiesburg per se, but like a first to the scale of like people responding to it where he would mail uh, you know, a couple tapes of Sorry State and they would write a review and the whole city would be like, damn, somebody wrote a review about the band. You know, it was like, that was like the first time people were like engaging with outside internet stuff and like... Right. Like you, know, like these, you saw that he was putting in the effort to like grow outside yeah. of just the town. And even if that wasn't his intention, I feel like initially it was him just sending stuff out to labels he liked and that put out tapes that he enjoyed and stuff. Um, but that label kind of served as an initial way to where like, you know, he, wh whether it was like, I don't, you know, the intent behind it, I'm not sure of, but it was kind of functions as how like bands that get like baby deals now, like it functioned that way where you would put out a demo and it would get a little press and you would be able to book some shows and have stuff to send for your shows and stuff. Um, Earth Girl was just the, yeah, it was just like a local tape label. He, he never did anything besides like a run of tapes. So is convulse the first label outside of your town that you have worked with there is a feral kid records out of buffalo uh a dude named biff came through here a bunch of times 
And he actually came through maybe around 2017 and recorded like 20 Hattiesburg bands in our practice space and put it on like a record. And it's like, we have the records, but just like the inserts never get. It's one of those things where it just like, and 80% of those bands don't exist anymore that he recorded. It was like, he just came through to do a comp for like the area. Interesting. Yep. He just wanted to do a Hattiesburg comp. He just like loved Hattiesburg. He was like one of the first people that like rode for Hattiesburg that was like telling everybody. He had a whole, in his tape distro, he had a whole section that was just said Hattiesburg. Was, so he it, was, like, the on first vinyl or, was it on vinyl or a yeah, cassette? Yeah, yeah, it was a record. It was a record. Wow. Um, and it kind of got lost in the ether. But Pleather did a, um, I have it over there. I think it's a 12. No, it's a 45. We did a 45 with uh, Biff, and that was my first record I ever got put out. Um, okay. That's the first person that ever, like, expressed interest outside of, like, Earth Girl, just like, or like some local. Hey there. Do you need to get some merch printed? My incredible sponsors over at Anchorfish Printing has a great deal going on right now. You can get 100 soft style shirts for only 499 bucks. Do the math. That's a great deal. For details, email Michael at anchorfishprinting.com. You can also visit anchorfishprinting.com and see what else they have to offer. They are a one-stop shop for all your merch needs. And don't forget to mention the first ever podcast when you place your order. What did you play in in Pleather? Pleather, I play guitar. Okay, when did you start playing drums? And like, because I know you play drums now. Is it uh, the band you're playing drums in now is Skin Skin Man? Skin Man, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, it's kind of funny too. I feel like all my musical stories are kind of funny or goofy where it's like, so we had to go to mass every Wednesday at, at the school I went to. And I, the first time I went, there was a band. Like they had like, it was like a drummer and a guitar player, two guitar players or bass player or whatever. And everybody, I was like asking people about like, you know, who plays music, who's played music, like kind of like trying to like figure out who I'm going to like start a band with. And they were like, yo, the dude who plays drums at the church is a really good guitar player, but he just plays drums and I have a drummer. So we went to the first mass and I'm like watching and he's like, I love, I love my friend Stephen Curley. He was cheeks. He was bad at drums. <laughs> and I was just like, I know I can do better than like in my head, I are, I'm just like, I know. And I want to hear him play guitar really bad. Yeah. So I like after, and I also was like, I, I don't want to be in church. Like if I can play music, that'll kind of yeah. make this church shit a little easier. So I literally just like went up and was like, yo, I want to play drums in the church band. And they were like, we will, we already have a drummer. And I was like, yeah, but he's better at guitar. Like I already, I'm acting like I know this person. I've never met him. I'm like, but he's better at guitar. Like that's what everybody's saying. And so that's like, I just started playing drums that way. And I was, you know, I just like, I was kind of naturally good at the drums just from like, I feel like listening to a lot of Nirvana and kind of how Dave Grohl is a very like, um, you know, sequenced drummer where he kind of like, you can tell his parts help me maybe. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I just like picked up playing drums. Drums was probably the most intuitive instrument that I ever like played. Like guitar and stuff, I really had to build away and like figure it out. It's funny you mentioned in Bloom as a starting off point. I feel like the drums in that song specifically could make you want to be a drummer. Just like the Yeah, I wish I wish I was paying that much attention at that time because I was literally like, damn, like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like do whatever this is, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Drums is dope. Drums to me was like, and I played drums and did vocals in a version of Celotone early on. And I was like, this is easier than playing guitar and doing vocals. Like, this is great. This also, not not to get too heady about it, but like, it does make sense to me that you were drawn to things so rhythm-based early on. Because I feel like that's like the entire driving force with MS Paint. It's like, it's so drum-driven that it feels like that is just ingrained in your head when it comes to like making making what those songs sound like you know does that make sense to you no for sure i um i definitely was like always the like little kid that would be like dancing and my mom would be like look he can like dance like i just like felt like i had like natural rhythm like i just like it's probably because like low-key like subconsciously so obsessed with music before i even realized it that i was just like constantly trying to like interact with it or like figure out how it interacted was interacting with me um but yeah i i feel like for me all of my bands have been very like any band i've ever done has always been like some sort of limitation but always been like like with dd capis we were literally like no hi-hats it was like that band i was talking about earlier i was like one symbol no hi-hats and that's how we're gonna write our songs and the dude playing drums is like a jazz dude who's like what are you like talking (laughs) You know, I'm just like, no, nah, just trust me. So it's like shit like that where I'm like, I'm always trying to like figure out a way to highlight a rhythm or a thing to be like, you know, draw someone's attention to something to be like, you know, they notice my bit was always like, they're going to notice you don't have high ads and then they're going to start listening to your playing. So you need to be like on point too, you know? Yeah. It's like once you kind of put stuff that way, it's like, even, even if it's just like intent building or just like purpose building to me, like those little bit of things, like we're always based around like rhythm or like how we're going to execute the rhythm of a song. Right. I'm sure people listening are like, how are you only now about to start talking about MS paint at one hour, nine minutes into this, but like, (laughs) what what, what was what, like, you know, the band is so interesting. It's so unique. Like for you, when you started that project, like what were you going for like what was in your brain to be like i want to start a band that sounds like this like i'm are there things that people might be surprised about were your influence when that band started maybe so like for me like the band started over a conversation that i had with like the drummer and the synth player and then we brought in the homie randy who played bass and dd capis like for that reason that band kind of broke up and he wasn't in a band at that time but literally at the time for at least for me in my head and my perspective on it was like I really wanted to do, I had an idea for a band that I wanted to call my favorite year of the Grateful Dead. I I wanted to call it Europe 72. And I wanted it to be just drums, synth, and vocals, but just super noisy and fucked up sounding. In my head, I had this like, I had talked to a few people about this idea and they were like, okay, whatever. Um, But I went up to them and I kind of had the same idea, but I had never been in a band with Nick or Quinn. And it was kind of like at at a bar like late at night like late i was i don't i don't be partying like this no more but i was like really twisted up and i went up to him i was like we gotta have band practice tomorrow at like three o'clock you're bringing your scent no guitars and quinn was like i think quinn actually was like let's do it with no guitars and i was like you're already i was fitting to say that you know type shit and like we met up and did that and like no intention we had no like am i like I said, my idea of like what I was thinking about with the band was like a very noisy, like I wanted someone that could play blast beats. Like I'd never been in a band where people did blast beats. Like that was like the shit I wanted to do. But it turned into like what it is now. It was like really like we got into a, the practice space and it like the, the demo that we put out was like the songs that we wrote just together. Like Nick brought stuff in the synth player. He brings in the skeletons 
and we we build off of them. But to me, that band, like the, the weird thing about MS Paint is like that it is so new and it is like a band who like for us is like it's like weird to be in like a new band that's doing this much, especially from where we're from. But we do all have stories that kind of span all of our stories that lead up to this band is the story of the band, honestly, at, at, at least at, as it stands now because the yeah. band's identity is still unfolding and we're still learning how to, how we want to do it and interact with the music and people. With but, all the bands that you've done, are you surprised that this is the one that is like kind of getting like the, the larger attention? I think we all feel that way. I yeah. think that we've all been in bands that we were, I, I can stay, I can talk, I can gas up my boys real quick and say that Nick and Quinn were in a band called Nauseance that was just as good as any like, articulate indie rock band at the time when like parquet courts was big like that band could have toured with them and been awesome you know it's like so to me i feel like everybody's been in bands and situations where maybe we uh can kind of say that it's like in solidarity with those mo like those past bands and with the scene that we like i'm not surprised personally by the band because i think that it's really good would I like MS Paint if I wasn't in the band is a question that I can ask myself. Like, I really don't know. Like, I truly yeah. just, it's it's a weird enough band to where, like, I think it's supposed to, it seems like we always talk about it in a way that's kind of heady where we're like, it's definitely what feels like the band that, you know, we call MS Paint or whatever is like, whatever that force is for people is, is guiding us a lot more than we have any. We would have, we wouldn't have called the band MS Paint if we knew people were going to be listening to it all the time you know maybe we would have thought about some things a little more or like i feel like that's the type of shit we joke about but it's just like that's kind of is the way it feels where it's like surprised is maybe not the right word but like taken back to be like this is the one that that <laughs> you know it's like yeah what i love about that though is you're i'm talking to the person who also had a band called dd cat piss and the funks and the fuzz coffee hey hey <laughs> that's true i mean some things it's like you would have and that's the band is another good reason of that of like we toured a lot and like played a lot of shows and people had to put that shit on flyers and i i don't feel bad about it but like maybe we we, we would have thought about i would literally was like on mushrooms is like i wrote out the set list for that band i was like no music i was like this is gonna be the first set list this is the band name like that was just the type of shit we were on like it was just like no I just love this, like I'm saying, yeah. I love the scenarios where there's the bands that you could tell were probably like didn't think that their band was gonna be what they like. There's that band called like Diarrhea Planet. Do you think at some For point sure. they're like they're like, oh god damn it, now we have now we're like about to play on you know like Seth Meyers, but we're Diarrhea <laughs> Planet. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I can only imagine. I mean, for bands. Band by the way, name. by the way, I think MS Paint is a great fucking band name. By the yeah, way. I, a lot of people like it. To me, it's just a thing where it's like people pick, pick, make, or like can pick so many parts about the band name and talk about it to where, to where it's just funny to be like, I imagine Diarrhea Planet is in the same boat as us where we're like in the middle of writing a song, just saying words at the first few band practice and Randy's like MS Paint. And we're like, yeah, that's the band name. All right. So this next part, it's like, that's kind of how it happened. It literally yeah. was like, that is the moment. And so I can only imagine it's like they're in a room and they're like, let's just call it Diary of Planet. And someone's like, hmm. Like someone, it's like it takes one person in a band's goofy ass, like entertain something. Yeah. And it's over. It's like, that's all it like, Anybody who's like played music knows there's like one dumb idea. If someone feeds it of the flame, it, it becomes real. 
1000%. Do you, do you feel like at any point you might have to deal with getting contacted by whoever created the original MS Paint about like changing your name or anything? We've definitely like talked about it and we definitely got something for them if, if, if they try to come for us for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but like it, it would be funny, but it would also be like a bummer to be like, it would definitely be to me. It would only have to happen when we like if we like came up, or like if yeah. our band got like super big, then they'd have to come for us, and it would just be like, why did y'all do this early on? Because now then yeah. it's gonna be annoying to have to like do that shit. But to me, I'm just like I'm not really worried about it. It would just be like I'm interesting to have the conversation. But it is funny that it is. I think My, in the I, I, if I'm gonna give any advice is if that happens, just throw a little period after ms and then just change your name to miss paint uh, we've been called miss i mean I, f- I feel like more people call us miss paint than we are like willing to admit in real life okay that's or funny. like is there a mr paint gets asked a lot <laughs> you know we we get hit with that one quite frequently i like it i like um, it yeah i i honestly i don't know what we would do i i think we would be like rename the computer program <laughs> i like it i like it um has you know i don't know if i know this has have you guys been overseas yet have you guys done like a european no we're doing that in february with a oh amazing 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 you excited oh yeah i'm i have a i have a love hate relationship with britain already and i haven't been there my bandmates understand what i'm about to say uh that (laughs) beans on toast is might get me deported if I get served beans on toast, I just don't know how I'm going to act. I don't know how I'm going to act because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I want a full English. Like there's, the, I'm yeah. arming myself with knowledge, you know, like I want a full English for sure, but I'm just like, there's something about beans on toast. It just, it, it, it puts me in a different mindset. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it just like, I want to respect it. I want to respect the culture. I'm going to immerse myself in the culture, but I'm just, yeah. I'm very, I'm so skeptical. I'm so like, that's just something that like, like whenever someone brings up Europe, I'm like, they put beans on their toes, bro. I love it. I love it. That's going to, that's yeah. There's going to be a lot of instances. I'm excited for you to, to go and sort of watch, watch it happen in real time. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm excited. What? And you just got home from that tour with soul glow. Was that one Mm -hmm. of the longer tours you guys have done? That was actually one of the shortest, shorter ones. Oh wow. And with short ass drives too. It had like, all the drives, but there was only like two drives over like four hours on that whole trip. It's um, a dream right there. I was like, this is how y'all be touring up here. Like on the East Coast, I was like, that's crazy that you can go Must to that many nice, cities right? that close. It really is. Like I was like, that's really cool that y'all can do that. Yeah, um, you and I because we can we have <laughs> we have that in common. Yeah. I mean, being I yeah. mean, yo, being from Los Angeles, shit sucks. It's like we either got six hours north for fucking san francisco or we have to drive like five or six hours east yeah. to go to arizona it's like yeah i feel you that shit sucks it's like new orleans is an hour and a half west and that's the closest like everything else is like three to four hours so it's like that far enough away where like you want to drive home but you're still getting home late it's like totally. how do i like to think about it where it's like at least the gigs now end a lot earlier so it's not as bad as it used to be but we used to drive back from birmingham and get home at like four because the show yeah, was over, yeah yeah like, yeah yeah midnight. um I, I want to make sure I don't miss out on this or like miss talking about it. So um, what was your experience like coming to California to do the record with Taylor, 
and Ian? Like, how did that come into fruition? And like, where actually did your relationship with Ian start? So we met Ian. Um, and people, in case people don't know, Ian from Military Gun Regional Justice Center, like co-produced uh, the LP with Taylor Young. So just want to make sure that's out there for people who maybe don't realize that. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. And so we recorded the album all on our own. And Ian wanted to feature on a song. So we sent it to him. And I was like, I got an idea this idea for a couple of songs that I, th- I, I, I think you'd be cool to be on. And then he pretty much just called me and was like, he straight up was like, yo, I'm going to say some stuff that's out of pocket. And if it's out of pocket, we can just like move forward and figure it out from here. I was like, you know, let's go. And he was like, I feel like y'all could re-record this with my friend Taylor. We did. Randy kind of knew about Nails. He was like a fan of Nails. I'd listen to their music and stuff. Um, but none of, neither of us had any idea who Taylor was. Um, so Ian was like, y'all want to re-record this? We'll talk to Convulse, try to figure out. You know, it was kind of daunting for us because we were just like, are we really finna fly to Los Angeles, California to record our album? Like, is it really yeah. that serious? Like, we were, literally were having conversations like, is this that serious? And that lasted about three minutes before we were like, we have to do this. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, we have to do this. Like, we're never going to yeah. get to do something like this again. At least in our minds, that's how we felt. So it was just kind of like a, I met Ian at Convulse Weekend. I was just a super big military gun fan. And dead ass, I just wanted to like meet him to see if he was cool. I was like, I love this dude's band. I just want to see, you know, because you meet people from yeah. bands and you're like, ah, we don't, but you know, it's like whatever. But so I go up and talk to him and he's just having a panic attack about their set. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, like I'm kind of in my head like, what the fuck? Like, come on, bro. Like. You're like in my favorite band. Like, let's 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 like get up a little bit, you know. But I was just kind of talking to him, like being sweet, and he was really nice. And we just kept in touch after that, you know. They I watched them play, and um, he saw our set. And we just kind of stayed in touch, and that's how the the album re-recording for us came about. And we he came down to Hattiesburg, and we wrote two songs. Like Nick came up with the music and kind of wrote the chorus for one for deleted i just kind of like was like all right just sat down and like did that whole song and then he put his verse in and then we wrote the other song free from sun with him uh free from the sun with him too at, at that that weekend where he came in town he stayed at our house for that weekend and i think he went and saw the bob's burgers movie while he was here because there's like <laughs> shit to do here. but sure. uh then we flew we all flew back to la and we stayed in his apartment and he stayed at taylor's and we commuted to van nuys from from silver lake that, that makes sense yeah 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 uh and um yeah it was awesome and taylor's parents actually went to or his dad went to or both his parents went to school in hattiesburg oh no so way once we, once we learned that it was like oh you're jim like that's jim to me that's uncle jim you know that's like yeah the hattiesburg connection like once we like once you're connected in any way i feel like it just kind of like everything starts to make more sense for us where we're like that's why we're here it's because so you're like how many, how long did it, did the recording take? Like, were you there for a week? Were you there longer? Yeah, we were there for a week. Okay. I think we did like drums in a day and then like bass in two days and synth in a two days or something like that. Yeah. And we just did vocals at the end of each day. Did you, what was the vibe like? Was everybody like, that was totally lit. In, it was yeah, like, once yeah, we yeah. like, once we like settled in, cause like I said, like we flew out there, we were there for a day. We like, we like did some California shit, you know, we like went to Santa Monica Beach, like, I was going to say, was this your first time in California? Yeah, it was like my first time ever. I, Randy grew up here like as a child. Like, I don't know if he remembers much, but he would visit here and stuff. But we had never been there, um, especially as a group or for music, especially. We had never been there yeah. to like do anything like that. 
Um, so the vibe was just kind of like, you know, once we got there, it was like, we had a friend who lived in, um, West Hollywood, we went and stayed with them who used to live in Hattiesburg. And then we went to the beach with them and just kind of had our own day to kind of get our bearings. Cause we kind of were like, it was fun, but our vibe was like, we're here to like, get this done. Like we're to here to work. Like, record yeah. this album. Yeah. yeah. And once we met with Taylor and kind of like figured out how because it was so different for both for everybody or it's like taylor's never really recorded a band that's just a bunch of synths and like where we're like hey we need to like dragon ball z power up sound right here you know it's like he's never really had like moments necessarily like that yeah you know, but i'm sure he, for him that's exciting because it's like yeah. he's so used to just recording like hardcore bands that it's like for him it's a fun challenge i'm sure yeah the vibe was very like because the nature of the band is very collaborative and like everybody's always challenging each other or like trying to keep each other like you know, it's like no stone unturned creatively, emotionally, anything, you know? Yeah. So it just kind of fit the vibe of everybody kind of being like invested in the moment. You know, the vibe, the vibe is, is, is happy because everybody's kind of like, this is fun. You know, we're just like, doing yeah. like we literally, when Taylor was like, pulled out a dusty mini log, like the scent that we used. It was like, oh, I have one of those things. It's like got cobwebs on it. And we're like, that's how those usually look like. <laughs> <laughs> we, but that's what we're doing the whole time you know yeah was, yeah, it was, yeah it was super fun it was honestly like i've gone into a couple of big studios before on just like some opportunity shit and it's been very bump um just because people want to like really dictate what you're doing i was also very young so it was like things like that that kind of shaped i had a thing in my head about it where i was like if this dude's gonna be a hard ass we gotta like i was like you know coaching everybody i'm like we gotta yeah. be you know something we gotta you know? stand up for but, ourselves no like, for real and it yeah. was just the thing where we get in there and it was like oh like i'm this is different like this is totally. like someone who's like pretty it was like i i would say i've been in a lot of professional studios or a few but that was the first time i was in a professional studio like environment where someone was like really trying to make something sound good and like yeah all the other things i had done nobody's name was really going on shit it was just kind of like stuff we were doing but that was like, that was awesome just because Taylor is like someone who's become a like, and now I'm like a fan of his, like, I wasn't a fan of Twitching Tongues when I like went to that studio, but like a year later, I'm like a stan. Like I love that shit. Yeah, like our yeah, relationship yeah. has changed, you know, yeah, type yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's like, but it's like, I, I will always appreciate, I know I'm going to look back on that moment and being like, that was the easiest that ever was <laughs> you know like that I, was like yeah the most I, fun a first kind of like band's album will probably be for all any of us again just because of the nature everybody was so excited like when you're excited everything is exciting you know it's like one thousand percent and i love that he i think for, i saw a photo that he was rocking a ms paint shirt at sound and fury so oh dude that was like that was like where he like we made like we're here you know yeah like, god it's like funny i just I just had Colin on the show a couple, like the other week and I've known Colin and Taylor. We realized for like almost 20 years or something. And from what I understand about working with Taylor is like, he's a very honest person. Like he's going to tell oh, you yeah. something doesn't sound right. And I imagine that's something that you appreciated, right? Yeah, it was awesome. And I mean, I think what he appreciated about us is that there wasn't a lot of that to like, we came in like ready for that, but also like, he's gonna like whoever is gonna work on this is gonna see the work because there's also i feel like with a band's first album you get you get unlimited time to fuck with it like you we had unlimited like we recorded the whole thing 
on our own, which people do normally, you know, you record yeah. it and then you go back and record again. But we didn't know that we were just do, we were just doing the thing, you know, we did the steps without trying to. So it kind of like that experience was just so like flowing that when Taylor or somebody made a suggestion, we would all kind of be like, that was something we talked about and thought about already, you know? So it kind of lines yeah. up with, it was shit like that where the other times we had to be like, it's supposed to believe in bloop like that. Like trust us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, 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 with, yeah. Shit, with this, with the sense stuff, it was just kind of a thing where it'd be like, what's all that noise? And we're like, that's the part. That's the, that's the, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. Like that white noise is calculated my leash. You know, it's like, we did that on purpose. Um, so it was like things like that, that were a lot of fun and, you know, getting the perspective on like how we want to do it next time or, or how someone should interact with us. I think Taylor kind of set a precedent for, um, you know, for being someone who's known for being like a hard nosed, like, you know, producer, um, I would say he's one of the most collaborative, like collaborative friendly people I've worked with where like his suggestions were like extremely valid and nothing was like, there was maybe one time where we were like, everybody's kind of sitting there like, who's going to budge on this? Like, how are we going to, yeah, yeah, I, don't yeah, even, yeah. I don't even remember what the fuck it was at this point, you know, but it was just like, there was maybe only one or two moments where we all had to really like see whose ego was in the right place totally. for that moment type shit. But yeah, well, something really amazing. There's something amazing about working with somebody who has a completely different outside perspective of what you guys are doing. Like you, you're all so honed in and focused on what the band is. And then him coming from a completely different sonic background that does help. And obviously you have Ian who's sort of the glue between those two worlds as well. So no, that's super awesome. Uh, Damn, this has been amazing. I've had a a wonderful time hanging out with you today. Let me hit you with the last question, which is uh, when was the first time you felt like you were doing the thing you'd been working so hard towards? Hmm. It's a tough question, I know. It is, and I think it could just be topical because of the nature of the interview. But, I mean, I would say that starting MS Pain and, like, recording the album and doing the stuff we're doing with this band has been kind of a very hmm, validating. I, I feel like in bands, though, you, you get used to not being validated for the stuff you do. You get kind of used to people being like, oh, are you still doing that thing you're doing or whatever type shit? But, like, with this band, it's, like, even our families have to acknowledge, like, what's happening. And, like, it's kind of, like, now breached outside of the, like, just our friends that support us always are supporting us. And now it's, like, a wider variety. Like, people are yelling Hattiesburg World at shows, and we're, like, in Long Island. You know, I'm, like, this is, like, different to me. This feels like we're really kind of, like, bringing notice to a small place that, like, you know, we couldn't even book a huge band here. You know, like we just don't have a, a place to do shit like that. But we're like playing with those bands and we're going on yeah. tour with those bands. And that is super like it inspires me. And I hope that later as things progress and as, as the vision kind of unfolds, that it inspires other people around us to like do that, you know, to like don't be scared to like chase something just because like people around you are like not doing that thing. You know, it's like sometimes it's about being the first person to kind of like step outside of that zone and like put yourself out there. And that's what the band has taught me is just kind of like, I'm a weirdo. I know I'm a weirdo. So why am I going to try to not be weird? You know, it's kind of like the vibe that I've kind of like come to accept more after doing this is like the self doubt kind of phase. And you just kind of see it as being like, you know, you can't think about how people are perceiving you. You got to just move and like do the thing that, that you have the calling to do. Um, So I would say it's, it's, yeah, this band was like, 
you know, there's been moments, but this is definitely the moment where I feel like the, it's not just the band. It's like more people are benefiting from it. And that's kind of what makes me feel like I'm doing what I want to do. It's a beautiful answer. It's a beautiful answer. There's been so many points in this interview where there's things that you're saying where I'm like, I, I, I'm excited about this chat. You, this, is, <laughs> this has been really awesome. Thanks so much for, for, uh, for doing this, TD. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that is our show. Thank you so much to DD for coming on. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Ryan Rainbow for editing this podcast and making it sound oh so sweet. Reminder, there's a bonus episode available right now. If you head on over to patreon.com slash the first ever Patreon, where DD answered questions that were submitted by subscribers. Thank you so much. And I'll see you next week. Take care of yourself. Be good. Bye bye.